What's going on, Mr. Brotato Head? It's your boy Jerry, the TR Expert Washington, here at General Fitness Company Studio. Today is Friday, April 2nd, 2021, and this is Season 8, Episode 36. And today I'm going to be talking about something serious. We're going to talk about suffering. You know, life is inherently hard, but <laughs> I tell you, we do not have to suffer. I know it sounds blasphemous for me to say that we don't have to suffer because there's people suffering all over the world. And I could, you know, you probably could say, how dare, how dare you, Jerry, say that you don't have to suffer. There's people out there that are suffering right now. But I'm here to tell you that there's people in life that have had some really, really tough lives and they've taught us how to not suffer. Uh, one of them being uh, Viktor Frankl, another one being Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And we're going to talk about those two people and what, they, and what contributions they had to uh, psychology, as well as just uh, uh, our basic understanding of how the brain works and how we can make ourselves happy, even if our ha- lives on the outside don't look so happy. All right, so let's go and get this episode underway. Episode uh, Well, season eight, episode 36, Suffering is Easy. Let's go! Yo, what's going on? We got a serious topic today. We're going to be talking about suffering. I wanted to talk about that today because, you know, it's that time of year where everybody's thinking about, oh, no, the beach season is coming and I haven't done anything all winter. And, you know, I see a lot of people out now running and stuff like that. And a lot of people out there running and they, I, they look like they just don't want to be running. And I get it because I don't like running myself, even though I'm a six-time All-American and our NCAA All-American. I should make sure I clarify that and uh, also have a, a few... 19 school records so yeah uh I, I ran but you know running long distance running is just not my thing but listen um i get it you know like life is hard you know we're gonna be talking about suffering in your workouts but really when we make this uh, conversation more so about uh suffering in everyday life you know because uh a lot of people think you can just suffer to get what you want and that's really not the way to do it not at all actually in fact uh, the thing is that suffering a lot of times actually gets you further from your goal than you w- would had you not suffered. Yeah, it's interesting, right? It's, it's, it's wild because a lot of people tell you like to get what you want, you have to deserve what you want. I, I've said that many times before, uh, but you know, it kind of almost falls in deaf ears because it almost has no meaning. You're like, what, what does that mean? Like, I have to deserve what I want. You know, a lot of people think that means you have to, like, suffer. But that's not necessarily true. You know, like, you have to envision the person that you want to be to get what you want. 
that's really what it means to deserve what you want. So, so earlier on today, I was actually, actually yesterday, I'm sorry, uh, on my Instagram, I had posted something up that got a lot of traction. It was about uh, making your bed. And I had a couple people that said they didn't make their bed. Uh, a lot of people said they did make their bed. Now, the reason why I mention that is because the things that you want in life, you get them because you deserve them. You get them because you've done the things to get what you want. So the reason why you envision yourself as the person that's already gotten those things, the, the reason why you envision yourself as someone that has a lot of friends or someone that's in great shape or someone that has uh, you know, more money than you had before is because your brain works in this way where it has to be coherent. Okay, So however you see your life, your brain works to actively produce that. Your brain works to actively recognize those things in, in, that are in your environment that can help you essentially be congru- congruent, I couldn't say that word, but help you essentially be congruent with your thoughts, what your ideal or your idea of your life is. Maybe not your ideal, but your idea for your life is. So if you see yourself as overweight or you see yourself as not having a lot of friends or you see yourself as having a lot of issues in your life, your brain, uh, yeah, but your brain is going to work to actively create that in your life. So you're essentially creating your world. Let me give you another uh, another point that kind of adds to that, <laughs> that adds to the, uh, the evidence of this. So there's a study, I think it's a I can't remember who this study was by, but and I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast. Actually, recently I mentioned mentioned it maybe a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but there was a study. It was a study of um, they call it the gorilla experiment. And what it is, what it was, I'm gonna I've, I've talked about it before, so I'm not gonna you know go in depth too much. But it was two teams. Was one team had you know one team was in black shirts, one team was in white shirts. The team with the bla- with the black shirts, they passed the ball, and you're supposed to count how many. Uh, passes were, and then you had the uh, other. You know, you had you had the other team, the white shirt team. Same thing. So essentially, what the interviewer or the uh, experimenter asked these people was how many times the ball was passed. All right. So pretty simple. So pretty simple uh, question. Pretty simple experiment. Uh, so it seems, at least, as we know, with psychological experience, there's always something underlying. You know, it's like they have you doing one thing, but it's really something completely different. And it's no different in this experiment. So what they're actually doing, they're having the people count the passes, but in the process, they actually put a, a gorilla. And this gorilla was not a small gorilla. The gorilla literally walks into the frame. Like it takes about it takes up about two thirds of the frame, so you can clearly see the gorilla. Like it's it's about the size of everybody else. And the gorilla literally walks right past the people, beats on his chest, and walks right off screen. Like literally, and he's not like running. He like saunters onto <laughs> saunters in the middle of them, beats on his chest, and walks away. Now you would think, you would think that people would see that, but. When asked, you know, they asked how many times the, the, uh, the, the ball was passed, and they're pretty accurate. But when they asked, well, did you see the gorilla? 80% of the people did not see the gorilla. Now, I'm telling you, this gorilla was not small. The gorilla literally walked in between these people, beat on his chest, and the people did not see the gorilla. So the point I'm making with this, and the point this experiment pretty, uh, pretty much exposed, is that we only see what we want to see. Does that make sense? You don't see everything in your field. You don't see everything in your visual field. You see it, but you don't exactly process it, right? 
If it doesn't serve, what we know now, if it doesn't serve with the congruence, if it doesn't serve with what you're looking for, then you're not going to see it. So that go, harkens back to my point is you have to be congruent. If you want to be a millionaire or if you want to be uh, someone that's a lover or someone that has a lot of friends or someone that's really spiritual, you have to envision yourself as being that person. So it's, it, it's, it's something that a lot of people just don't really think about. They think that the world happens to them. And in a sense, it does. I mean, you know, there are certain times where you just can't control it. You step off a curb and you can get hit by a bus. You might not be thinking about a bus. You know, I might be thinking about, you know, your grocery list or something like that. You might not be paying attention. You get hit by a bus. So there's things like, like that that happen. But a lot of times, more often than not, we're creating our world. See, uh, I mean, the thing is that like, people, they put a lot of their suffering on everything. Yeah, that's including God. And, and then people will ask, you know, like, why doesn't God just make us love him or give us more signs for us to do the right thing? And the thing is, as we know, you can't be forced to do anything. You know, we have this thing called free will. That's what makes us human beings. You know, we have the choice to make good decisions or bad decisions or better, better put, you have a choice to make decisions that serve you and decisions that don't really serve you. So in that case, with that being said, we know that suffering is more or less a choice. So, yeah, and you're probably saying, well, there's a lot of people that, that are you know, going through some really serious and tough times. And yeah, as I said, life is inherently hard. Sometimes you're going to go through some really, really tough things, and they may not completely be your fault. And a lot of times... What it is, whatever it is, whether it's your fault or not, how you deal with the situation is your fault. So let me explain. There's a guy named Alexander Solzhenitsyn. <laughs> Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I mean, <laughs> I think that was the right way to say it. But yeah, he wrote this book called The Gulag Archipelago. And Archipelago. And uh, what that book was about is how he was banished to the rank, the realm of Siberia. I think of Siberia, wherever the Gulag Archipelago, uh, archipelago, archipelago is. I believe it's in Siberia, but essentially he was banished there during the Holocaust. And he wrote a book about his time there and how he appreciated his time and how he'd ask uh, the the soldiers about you know about life and like what what they thought about the Holocaust and a lot of them. They just, you know, they had their ideas and, you know, essentially how he saw what happened is that he saw a lot of the people didn't really go along with it. They, they didn't really agree with it, but they just kind of went along with it because everybody else did. Now, that's not really, doesn't really have much to do with what I'm talking about here, but it's just an interesting story and in how this gentleman didn't blame himself. He actually, the, the story is really about him not blaming, uh, not, excuse me, he did blame himself. He didn't blame other people for the, the plight that he was in. In fact, he even tried to find sympathy for Hitler, for Hitler. So the guy was, you know, I mean, I can't say he was happy to be where he was, but he did understand that he had a part in what was going on in his life. He understood that what he, he played a role in the position that he was in, even though he did get locked up and even though that people, uh, you know, uh, tried to hurt him and stuff while he was in there. Uh, he essentially said in the book that he took full responsibility for his happiness. So while they may do anything to his body is what he said in the book, they may do what they may do anything to his body. 
they can't really touch his mind. And what his mind is, or what his mind believes, is that he is responsible for his own happiness. And that's the same thing that we can think of. Like, we're not in the Holocaust right now. I mean, we do have, we're in a pandemic, but we're definitely not in a Holocaust right now. We're not in any serious danger for our lives, for the most part. Most of us, you know, listening to this, there are some people in some countries uh, that may be dealing with some, uh, some issues. But for the most part, most of the people listening to this, you're, you don't have the same issues as the people that did in the Holocaust. So, Suffering is a choice. Another book uh, about the Holocaust Vic, by Viktor Frankl uh, called, called "Man's Search for Meaning." Now he was the he was the uh, founder of what's called logotherapy, and that's essentially like a, an existential look at it's a essentially an existential look at positive psychology. You see, it is essentially uh, it's kind of the same realm as Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. It was essentially. You believe that you can create your life. And we do. I mean, we have to accept accept responsibility because, I mean, we are not all-knowing beings. So we don't know exactly what our actions. We have, you know, a pretty good idea, but we don't know the outcome of every single one of our actions. We don't know every single outcome for every single one of our actions. There are some unexpected consequences that happen all the time. So in that event, we have to pretty much take responsibility for whatever happens to us or for whatever happens in our life, you know, because somehow, some way down the road, most likely something that we did caused that to happen. Now, a lot of people want to take, you know, they want to take credit for the good stuff and they want to, and they want to put the blame on others for bad stuff. And that's not how it works. I mean, even, you know, a, a great, any great coach will tell you that, you know, uh, that their leaders are the ones that don't take any responsibility for the wins and they take all the blame for the losses. And that's really a winner, you know, what's a leader in, in, on, on the football field, the basketball court, you know, soccer pitch, whatever sport you're talking about. But it also pertains to your life. It's the same thing. If you can take responsibility for your life, you can take responsibility for whatever happens, then I'm telling you, you're going to live a, a very happy life. You're not going to be exactly someone uh, that's going to have everything because, you know, what's a life if you have everything? But you're going to be happy because you're going to understand that you've created whatever's in your life. That's a, I mean, to take control of your life in that way, it's powerful. It's powerful to, believe, to start to have that understanding of your life as being something that you create is absolutely something powerful because you stop that victim mentality. You stop believing that other people are responsible for what is going on in your life and you take that responsibility and by taking that responsibility, all of a sudden now you have control to change what's going on in your life. See, like if you have that belief that everything is happening to you, well then you give yourself no control, no power to change what's going on in your life. But if you switch that and simply say that, you know, whatever's going on in my life, somehow I have responsibility in it, some way responsible for the rewards or the consequences of my actions. So that's just one, something I just want us to think about today. I mean, that, like I said, that applies to your life, but it also applies to your fitness. I mean, you think about it, you're going you're gonna to have hard workouts. You're going to have tough weight, you know, heavy weights that you're going to have to lift. And you're not going to be able to do it all. But what you can do is just get stronger one little bit at a time. You're not going to be able to bench press 500 pounds right off the bat. But if you take responsibility and do the things, 
you know, do the things that you need to do, like, you know, push-ups and shoulder stability, all the exercises that will help you eventually be able to lift 500 pounds. You may not be able to get to 500 pounds, but get this, you're going to be excited with the progress that you have because you are taking control of your life. You're taking control of your workouts. You're taking control of your fitness. So if you think of it that way, it's just like you taking control of your life and conquering obstacles, no matter where they are, no matter how they stand, no matter in what condition you face them in, you'll be able to conquer those obstacles and you'll be able to take on those challenges because you're not going to be thinking that someone else put them in front of you. You're going to be thinking that somehow you put your subconscious, put them in front of you so that you can be stronger, so that you can eventually, you know, lift that proverbial 500 pounds in your life. And that's really the, the gist of a, of a powerful life there is just taking responsibility and not blaming anybody. And it's hard because, you know, like there's times where you could be like, you know, that really was someone else's fault. But if you look closely, say, for instance, like you might have a miscommunication with somebody. Somebody might have said, said, thought you said something else than you really did. And you can blame that on that other person for not understanding what you said. But on the other hand, you can blame it on yourself for not being clear in communicating your needs or communicating uh, properly uh, to that person or effectively, I should say, uh, to that other person. So there's a lot of ways that, you know, you might have some slip ups in your life and all those things that may happen in your life. Just know that somehow, some way, they're most likely your fault. And even if they aren't your fault, if you take on responsibility like they are your fault, You'll, you'll first of all be able to correct the, the correct the the issue a lot faster because you won't be waiting for someone else to make the change. You'll be you know taking initiative and in, uh, in making the change yourself, and you'll also just be happier in general because you'll feel that you always have some kind of power or some kind of control over your life. And again, it's not going to be you know <laughs> I'm gonna say it again. Like you could walk off of the you know the curb tomorrow and get hit by a bus, and that's by no means your fault. But for the most part, if it doesn't involve you getting seriously injured or your own death, you know, it's probably best to try to take it on as your responsibility. And maybe even so, if it hurts, you know, if you have serious injury or, you know, you face death, if, you know, think about cancer patients. The reason why a lot of those cancer patients that heal themselves or are in remission is not because of some weird miracle that, you know, while they just sat around and they got cured. A lot of these people, these are studies that show that a lot of these people that went into remission had a positive, you know, they had positive uh, surroundings, had people around them that were supportive. They had a, a positive affect themselves and they believed that they could overcome that. They believe that a lot of them actually in the in the studies that I read, you know, I read a lot of this stuff when my mom was sick with cancer. And a lot of stuff that I read was were people that had said that they, you know, they didn't deny they had cancer, but they saw themselves as be already being cured from cancer once they had the diagnosis. Those are the people that went, and went, in, and went into remission the most, were the people that believed that they had cancer, but they also believed that they could overcome it, that they had it and that they don't have it anymore, essentially. So again, it goes back to my point is that if you want to be someone, like, whether it's a millionaire or uh, an awesome lover or you know a spiritual guru, you have to think of yourself as that person first. And by thinking of yourself as that person first, you're going to do the things that that person, that hypothetical person will do. 
So you'll be congruent with your thoughts and you'll be congruent with your actions and that will produce the results that you're looking for. All right, so that does it for my day. That does it for the week. I really do hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. Uh, I put some effort into it. I actually uh, looked, on, looked into those uh, books by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, the uh, Gulag Archipelago, Archipelago and uh, Victor, Fank- Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning. Those are really good books. Uh, actually read, read Man's Search for Meaning uh, one and a half times. <laughs> but it's a good book. I, I skimmed through Gulag Archipelago. It's a really long book, but it's a, it's a good one as well. And uh, again, these are two books that just talk about how no matter what we're facing, if you have, you know, not just like, you know, that weird positive affect, you know, not those ones that are just delusional, but, you know, a real positive affect, one that actually leads you to take those actions that are congruent with um, what you believe uh, you deserve in terms of a positive life. So, you know, just I would take a look at those books if you're interested in discovering how you can maybe live a life that's more positive or live a life that's just, well, happier. <laughs> because honestly, the happiest you can be is to feel that you are completely responsible for your life. If you don't blame blame anybody else for your happiness or for your sadness, then I can tell you that you will have the ultimate control over your, not only your emotions, but your life. All right. Well, I'm going to check you later. Again, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. And as always, keep good company. <laughs>